probably tell from the uh, decorations and presents all over the place that uh, Christmas has come to Northwest. <laughs> um, so the youth minister in me, um, th- I thought about it too late, but uh, I, saw, I see a game here. And I, I feel like we should have hidden like a gift card in one of these. And then like at the Christmas Eve service or something, just like set everyone loose to find it. And then it would teach a good life lesson, right? Like, there's not gift cards for everyone. Just crush everyone's dreams. That's, that's the dad in me. <laughs> so this, this year, I, I, I counted. Uh, this year's the 40th Christmas of my life. This will be the 40th time I celebrate Christmas since I was born. And uh, that's, um, well, we don't want to get into that. And, uh, and I realized besides being with my parents every year, every year at Christmas, I've seen my parents, maybe not on Christmas Day, but Christmas time, uh, besides being with my parents every year, there's only one thing uh, that every single Christmas I've ever had has had in common for me, and that is I've always gotten gifts. Not this many. <laughs> but I've always gotten gifts. There's, there have always been presents. I've always uh, gotten presents for Christmas and whether we like it or not, presents are a big part of it. Presents are a big part of Christmas. Um, they, they go together. It happens. Uh, I liked it a lot more as a child than I do as a parent uh, that presents go with Christmas, but it's just a reality. And I remember uh, circling things in the JCPenney catalog, the things that I wanted when the catalog would come. And uh, I would just circle like a whole page sometimes in the catalog. And uh, I remember writing my letters to Santa uh, to, to explain all the things on my wish list. Um, I imagine Santa just checks Amazon now. We don't, there's no need for the wish list to send it up to the North Pole. It's just right there online. But, uh, but this year, uh, this year I, I noticed that the, the most uh, popular gift this year is shaping up to be Apple AirPods. So Apple AirPods is like the, the number one like early bestseller in terms of uh, a Christmas gift for kids, uh, by the way. I, I, I did that research. Um, so, but what about you? What about you when you were younger? I doubt it was Apple AirPods for, all, for any of us when we were younger. Um, what, what was the gift? What was the thing that you're like, oh man, I, I just, if I only get that, like that'll, that'll make my Christmas. What, what was the popular gift when you were a kid? Well, I found this list this week and I'm excited. I found a list of the number one best-selling uh, kids gift from, uh, from 1970 all the way till now. Now, I realize that's not going to hit everybody in the room for when they were a kid, but from 1970 till now, that's 49 years. So in the last 49 years, I promise that either you got some of these things as gifts or you bought some of these things for your kids or your grandkids as gifts. Um, this list was very nostalgic for me. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll just share a couple. But then I'm like, no, we've got 17 million presents on the stage. Let's go ahead and share the whole list. So 1970 till now, uh, the most popular Christmas gift each year. So in 1970, the most popular Christmas gift was a Nerf ball. It was a simpler, less expensive time. <laughs> a Nerf ball. The next year it was Etch-a-Sketch, then Easy Bake Oven, uh, then Shrinky Dinks, and then Rock'em Sock'em Robots. And then in 1975, something weird happened, um, and the number one gift was a pet rock. <laughs> now, I wasn't born in 75. For those of you that were, you're going to need to explain that one to me later, but... 
a pet rock. Uh, the next year, it was a pogo stick, which is just an injury waiting to happen. But uh, in 77, everyone, everybody wanted Atari 2600. That was the jam in 1977. Then Hungry Hungry Hippos and Strawberry Shortcake were the, the next two years. That, that was the big deal. And I was born in 1980. Uh, I'm dating myself. I kind of already did. Um, and that year's big ticket item, the big gotta have this item in 1980 was a Rubik's Cube. Followed by the He-Man Castle Grayskull, G.I. Joe figures, Cabbage Patch dolls, Pound Puppies, and Teddy Ruxpin. So I, I just laid out my childhood for you. I laid it bare for you to see. I believe I got every one of those things when I was a kid. So uh, that, that pretty much sums up my childhood. Uh, in 1986, it was laser tag. There was like these home laser tag sets uh, that they sold. Uh, then a koosh ball. I don't know what happened in 1987. A koosh ball was like the number one best-selling, I got to have that for Christmas deal uh, in 87. And then, uh, then it was uh, the Ghostbusters proton pack, like the one you wore on your back with the like, yeah, Right? And then the Batmobile, because the, that was the Michael Keaton years. So then the Batmobile. Uh, in 1990, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles hit the scene. Uh, and in, 90, in 91, Sega Game Gear and Nintendo Game Boy tied for the, the top spot that year. And then in 92, Super Nintendo ran away with it. So Nintendo kind of like took over and just crushed Sega at that point. Um, there was a, a break from video games, only for a couple of years, uh, when uh, Barbie dolls and Power Ranger action figures jumped into the forefront in the 90s, but then video games came back with Sony PlayStation. Uh, Sony broke into the market. Then 1996 was the infamous Tickle Me Elmo year. <laughs> if you remember that, the crazy, like, fighting people in the aisles for this, like, obnoxious doll in 96. And then video games took over again the next year with Nintendo 64. Um, oh, I meant to bring it in here. I have one of these in my office on the shelf. The next year, it was that creepy Furby. You guys remember Furby? What in the world was that? That came out of nowhere in the culture. So... We're up to 1999. That's the year I graduated high school. That was uh, Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue. Uh, and all the, all the like, youth leaders I work with are super into Pokemon and don't understand why I'm not. It's because I was a senior in high school and I had other things on my mind. Um, <laughs> read into that what you will. And uh, so that was 99. Uh, the 2000s brought micro scooters, Bob the Builder, Bratz dolls, and Beyblades into popular culture. And then we turned back to technology uh, with the iPod Mini, uh, Xbox 360, the Nintendo Wii, and PlayStation 3. So see how things are trending very quickly toward more expensive here in the 2000s. 2000s, 2000s, 2008's big gift was a high school musical dance mat, which still sounds awesome. And I just added it to my Amazon list. <laughs> then uh, after that came uh, Zuzu Pet Hamsters. Now we're into the years that I started buying things for my kids. Zuzu Pet Hamsters, iPads, they didn't get that. Uh, <laughs> Nintendo 3DS and Skylanders Giants was the next year. My youngest is super into Skylanders still today. 2013 was Xbox One. 2014, iPhone 6. Seriously? 2015, a remote BB-8 Star Wars droid that you could like drive around your house. I think we're spoiling our kids, guys. 
Three years ago, the biggest gift was the Nintendo Classic, which was just the Nintendo system that I had when I was a kid in the early 80s. And then two years ago, it was a brand new Nintendo, the Nintendo Switch. That was the big gift two years ago. Last year's biggest gift, I'll give you one guess. Yes, iPhone 10. <laughs> so it's an, interesting, it's an interesting look for me, looking back, it's an interesting look at the generations. I think we can learn some broad things about the generations. Like in the 70s, kids were pretty easy to please. <laughs> you know, pet rock, right? <laughs> a Nerf ball. Kids in the 80s, as I look through the gifts, we watched a lot of TV. It was a lot of like TV show stuff or like really useless dumb stuff that we saw in commercials and the, like the marketing just like got us, almost like they were targeting us. <laughs> Kids in the 90s played a ton of video games. And in the last 15 years, kids have become addicted to expensive technology. So I think we can all thank Apple for that. And I know, that, I know that some people really hate the idea of gifts at Christmas, really resist this, like, oh, it's too commercialized. And, and you're not wrong, it is. Um, I know that people feel like it, it takes away from the true reason for the season. But listen, I think Christmas presents can be a great way to connect us to the real Christmas story. Not like iPods and stuff like that, but like the idea of giving gifts, giving and receiving gifts, I think can connect us to the real Christmas story. I mean, throughout the Bible, we hear a lot about gifts, a lot about how God gives gifts and how generous he is. That James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. And Romans says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. John 3.16 proclaims that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We have a, a God who loves to give gifts. He loves to, uh, to be generous with us. And the, the whole story of Christmas revolves around a father giving his children the best possible gifts. And God's gifts at Christmas aren't just for a select few people. He doesn't make a list and check it twice and only give his gifts to those of us who are nice and well-behaved throughout the course of the year. That's, that's why there's gifts all over the place. We went crazy uh, with gifts. By the way, if you wrapped any of these gifts, thank you very much. You did a much better job than I ever could have. Um, a lot of people helped with this and, and contributed these. These are empty, by the way, so don't get too excited, but um, <laughs> I think they're empty. And so they, they wrapped these presents, and we've got these presents everywhere, and, and, and that's the idea, because God's gift at Christmas, it's not just for me. It's for us. There's gifts for all of us at Christmas time from our Father. We, and, we, and, and we didn't spell Christmas wrong by accident. I know if you're like me, you're like, that really bugs you right now. That, that is like, that's not how you spell it. That was on purpose. We spelled it that way on purpose to, to highlight that God's gifts at Christmas are for everyone. They're for all of us. Um, for us. And so during this Christmas season, we're going to look at, at four gifts in particular that God gives us by sending his son Jesus into the world. And today, we're starting with the gift of joy. And so we're going to look at, at Luke chapter 2. Um, a lot of times we save uh, this for the, 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 the end. Uh, this is like the classic Christmas story that, uh, you, know, we, we, you know, you've heard it before, right? If you ever watched Charlie Brown's Christmas. And uh, we save this for the end, but we're, this year we're going to start with it. Uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, and we're going to start right in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, 
because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I imagine this story is familiar to you. We hear it every Christmas. Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem to register for a census uh, because that's where Joseph's family was from. Uh, when, while they were there, Mary went into labor and gave birth in a stable or a cave of some kind since all the guest rooms in Bethlehem were full. Uh, we know that she had the baby in a place where animals were kept because she used an animal's feeding trough, a manger, as like the first bassinet for, for this baby. Um, and we know that angels appeared outside the town to announce the birth to a group of shepherds uh, who then went to see the baby for themselves. We know this story. Uh, it's familiar to us, but this morning I want to take a, a deeper look at the news that the angels brought. Um, and I, and I want to take a look at the way that the shepherds responded to the news that the angels brought. Because the angel promises that this news will cause great joy for all people. And I wonder, what is it about this news that brings us so much joy. So I wanna walk through this news that the angels brought. The first thing the angel says is, do not be afraid. Um, Now that's a pretty typical thing for an angel to say in the Bible. Uh, The the rule of thumb is whenever an angel shows up, the angel almost always starts off with, do not be afraid. Um, Because people are terrified (laughs) when they see one. And maybe they're afraid of what they see. I mean, we always, I think, kind of assume that it's just, you know, we had a sermon series a while back that we had an angel that was like 700 feet tall. And it's like daunting, right? That the the physical appearance of an angel is terrifying. And that's probably, there's probably truth to that. That's probably true. Um, I wonder though, too, if if maybe people are scared of the message that God is going to send through that angel, that that throughout scripture, when an angel shows up to deliver a message, they generally don't show up to be like, keep up the good work, guys. You know, like usually it's, that's not the message. Usually it's, it's a pretty good bet that God's about to throw a big wrench in my plans when an angel shows up. It's not just like, hey, you're doing great. Like that's usually not the occasion. Um, and so maybe, it, maybe it's a combination. It's like, oh my goodness, it's an angel, and what's about to happen here? 
What is this angel about to do? Uh, What in my life is going to change? But whatever the reason uh, for their fear, the angel reassures them that there's no need. There's, There's no need to be afraid. So even though seeing an angel would be unusual and getting directions about God's plan from an angel would would disrupt our lives, uh, we have nothing to fear when God moves in grace. When God decides, I'm going to do this new thing and I'm going to send my angel ahead to announce this new thing. And listen, there's nothing to be afraid of when God is going to do this new thing. God God might do unexpected things in unexpected ways. God does do unexpected things in unexpected ways, but don't be afraid. When God does something unexpected, trust him. He will bring joy. And so this angel brings good news. That's the word we get the term gospel from, good news. Uh, It's also the word the Romans used to announce the birth of the emperor Caesar Augustus, who we read about in the first verse of of Luke chapter 2, along with giving him the title uh, Savior. This is the very similar wording, actually, the announcement that the angels give uh, and the announcement that the Romans put out uh, when when Caesar Augustus was born. And it's not a coincidence that the angel uses those same words, that same language to announce the birth, because this, this baby is destined to be great. Greatness is in the future uh, for this baby. You know, Jesus may have been born in a feeding trough for, uh, for animals uh, in a stable out in the middle of nowhere, Bethlehem, but heaven showed up when, when Jesus was born. Um, that's a big deal, right? It's just like when Jesus was baptized and, and like God spoke from heaven, like it's a big deal, right? This is different. This is something else entirely. Um, you know, and angels, that's a big deal. The, the, the most glorious creatures uh, of all the things that God has made, angels have the most glory. When an angel shows up, it means God has a plan. God's about to do something new and different. And this time, it's not just one angel. This time, it's a, a great company, a multitude, a vast host, a huge angel choir shows up and like sings a song, uh, you know, that the shepherds are able to witness. They all join in, in praise to God for what God is doing uh, because this good news will cause great joy. Now, not just great joy for the shepherds. This good news will cause great joy for all people. Everyone's affected by this good news, by this birth. Everyone's affected by this baby. This is bigger than just one family. And think about Mary and Joseph for a minute. They traveled all the way to Bethlehem. You know, not, not, you know, in the car or with a plane ticket, but, you know, on a donkey slash walking, right? And they traveled all the way to Bethlehem. They're tired from traveling. They're tired from searching for lodging and just finding, uh, you know, a stable or a cave. They're, you know, Mary exhausted from childbirth. And then a bunch of shepherds show up, <laughs> right? And they're smelling like the sheep. And they're like, hey, can we see the baby? This is creepy, you guys. Like, who are you? Like, that, that, my, that wouldn't have been my reaction. That I, when my kids were born, we wanted privacy. We didn't want guests. We didn't want a bunch of, especially people we didn't know. Like, we didn't want a bunch of people just, like, showing up to, to the birth. When, when Ethan was born, we were really annoyed that the, at the EMT student that came into the room to observe a birth as part of his training. Like, we didn't sign off on this. Like, what are you, get out of here, Right? <laughs> And then, that, and then, like, that night after Ethan was born, we finally, like, finally, you know, Sarah was able to fall asleep, and finally we were getting some rest, and the phone rings at 3 o'clock in the morning in our, in our I almost said hotel room. That's not what it was. 
in our hospital room at three o'clock in the morning because we had a friend who worked at the hospital on third shift and they decided to call in and check on us to see if the kid was born yet. Like, come on, leave us alone, (laughs) right? Moments like those, they're supposed to be private. They're supposed to be special time for family. But listen, not this moment. God himself starts to involve people whether Mary and Joseph like it or not, right? God involves angels and shepherds in the birth of his son because God never meant for this to be private. God's not a God of isolation. God wants to be involved. God wants to be with us. That's a whole idea. That's Emmanuel. That's who Jesus is, God with us. Not just for some of us, but for all of us. So since everybody's affected by this baby, everyone, represented by this group of average Joe shepherds, you know, God showed up to shepherds because they're just like anybody. Everyone is invited to come and see. Come see this child for yourself. Don't just take my word, even though it's an angel, and we certainly should take the word for it. Don't just take my word for it. Come and see. Go see it for yourself. This baby destined for greatness uh, is destined for a greatness that's going to benefit everyone. It's for all. It's for all of us. And then the angel uses three different titles for this baby. Fascinating. All in verse 11. Savior, Messiah, and Lord. And each of these titles has really deep roots in the Old Testament. And each one of them carries a unique reason for joy for us this season. As Savior, Jesus will be the one to rescue and deliver his people. The way God delivered them throughout their history, from their enemies, from their slavery, the way God protected them from evil, the the way God brought them out of their own sinfulness, their own idolatry. The name Jesus means salvation, literally. Uh, And Jesus himself, later in the gospel, insists that he has come to seek and save the lost. That is his mission. That's his purpose. He is a savior at his very core. A savior can rescue us when we can't save ourselves. And that's a reason for joy. But he's not only savior. He's, He's Messiah or Christ. As Messiah, Jesus is the appointed one chosen by God to restore his people. Christ and Messiah both mean anointed one. Christ is the Greek, Messiah is from the Hebrew, but the same word. And the, this promised Messiah, this, this Christ, is this, the great comforting preacher of freedom. He's the healer who, who brings joy. He's the rightful ruling son of David who brings redemption and restoration. He's the suffering servant of Isaiah. He's the sacrifice who will take our place. He's the atonement for our sins. He is Messiah. A Messiah can cleanse our sinfulness. A Messiah can reconnect us to God. That's a reason for joy. But he's not just Savior. He's not just Messiah. He's also Lord. And as Lord, Jesus has the authority of God himself. This title, Lord, is one of the most used words in the entire Bible, used over 9,000 times in the Bible. I did not look at every one of them this week. Over 9,000 times in the Bible, over 6,000 of them are translations of the name Yahweh, the name God gives himself when he reveals himself to Moses. Uh, Lord is like the stand-in word throughout the Bible uh, for the name of God. So since Jesus is Lord, it means he's God. They are one and the same. Jesus shares all of the qualities of God. Everything God is like, Jesus is. 
Jesus has always been. He wasn't part of creation. He always will be. He he was co-creator. He was there at the beginning. He's co-ruler at God's right hand where he intercedes for God's people because he's Lord. A Lord can guide us to live the life we were designed for. That's a reason for joy. The the fact that Jesus is Savior and Messiah and Lord uh, is, is an enormous reason for joy in our life. And so the angels give a sign. And the sign that they give and then the song that they sing point to another reason for joy for us this Christmas. That if we go looking for this baby, if we go looking for this Savior, this Messiah, this Lord, if we look for him, we will find him. The angels don't just tell the shepherds about Jesus. They give him a sign, something to look for. uh, So they'll know him when they see him. They want the shepherds to go and see this child for themselves. They say like, listen, he'll be the newborn baby. You know, the one like wrapped in cloths. Oh, and he's like laying in a feeding trough for animals. That, that, that's an important detail. So you, like, you don't go visit the wrong baby, right? So they, they give him a sign. This is what to look for. But, but look, go look for yourselves. Um, you'll know it when you see it. You'll know it by this, this sign. And they sing a song of praise. And interesting, their song points out that, that even though Jesus comes for everyone, not everyone will benefit in the long run. Only those who respond to God's news experience peace. Remember, their their song says, peace to those on whom God's favor rests. Now, I think we read that wrong when we read the idea of like God has picked certain people and his favor rests on, you know, he likes certain people and doesn't like other people. That's not what this means. Those on whom God's favor rests can be anyone. From shepherds to magi, anyone who seeks Jesus will find him and join the group of those on whom God's favor rests. God's favor is those who find Jesus. Those who find Jesus have found their way into God's favor. That's the criteria. But it's not just automatic. You've gotta go see, you've gotta go find this baby. You've gotta go find this savior, this Messiah, this Lord. You've gotta go and see for yourself. Anyone who seeks Jesus will find him. And when they find him, they will experience God's peace and God's joy. And so the shepherds go. They decide to take a look and go see what God is up to. Uh, And they find the child exactly as the angel said they would. Uh, Shows us that God does what he says he will do. If God says he's going to do something, he'll do it. Uh, And the shepherds can't contain themselves. They they spread the word about what they had seen, the word about what the angel had told them. Um, So through this angel, God tells the shepherds what to look for. And they follow where God leads them. And they find Jesus. And they share what they found to anyone who will listen. Um, And of all the elements of the Christmas story in the Bible, this might be the one we can relate to the most. It's almost like we were among the shepherds that night because they're just just regular people. They're just like us. They're just doing their job. They were just out in the field doing shepherd things. And and then the angels showed up in their lives and, 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 you know, God just dropped right in and included them in this big story. And, you know, who are they, you know? And God decided to include them in this story to the point where we sing about them today. You know, like in, in all of our, well, most of our Christmas songs, you know, have this idea of the shepherds in there and, and they're, they're, they become part of the story. Because what the angels announce to the shepherds, they announce for all of us. The, the journey to go and see is a journey we're all on. To go and see what is God up to? What is God doing in Jesus? What's, the, what's this thing that God has going on? And when we see that everything happens the way God says it will, 
then it confirms that God does what he says he will do, just like the shepherds. Uh, you, you and I, we've seen it. We've seen God says, I'm going to do this. We're like, well, that's crazy. He wouldn't mean that. And then lo and behold, God does this, just like he said he would. And it confirms that, oh, that's right. God is faithful. God, God does keep his word. God is good. And, and so the shepherd's response should be our response. We should spread the word as we go about our lives. We, we should glorify God and, and, and praise him for all these things that we have seen and heard. The, this good news is meant to cause great joy for all people. I mean, how dare we keep that to ourselves? This is good news for great joy for everyone. This isn't private. This isn't personal. This is worldwide, global, everybody stuff. Christmas is for everybody. This good news is for everyone. Because the Christmas story doesn't end with a baby. That's why I like that we started with it this year. We started with Luke 2 this year because this isn't how it ends. The Christmas story starts with a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. It's just the beginning. The reason for our joy starts with Jesus' birth, but it doesn't end with Jesus' birth. That's not the end of the story. And too often, you know, even, you know, we complain all the time about how, you know, Starbucks screwed up Christmas and, and, and like, I, we, you know, we hate what everyone's doing to Christmas and how dare you commercialize it. But we are also guilty of it, of ending the story too early, that, that Christmas is, is about more than just a baby. The baby's the beginning. It's the beginning of what God's doing for his people. It's the beginning of what God is doing for all of us, for, for you and for me and for everyone. And that's why we decided to leave the Christmas tree on the stage bare this year. I mean, there's lights on it and everything, but uh, I don't know if you've noticed, there, there are no ornaments on the tree yet. And that, again, was on purpose. We're doing all these weird things on purpose this year, spelling Christmas wrong, not putting any ornaments on the tree. Um, it's because Christmas is just the beginning. It's just the beginning of the work God's doing in our lives. It's not finished. The, the Christmas story is the start, but it's not, it's not the finish. It's not done. And most years, the, the group of people who, who gathered yesterday and put up all these decorations, uh, most years that group chooses which ornaments that we're going to hang on this tree. We're back in, the, in our, our decoration storage, and we're looking, oh, we'll do these this year. And, uh, and then we bring them all out, and we hang them on the tree on like a 20-foot-tall ladder. And, and, uh, and it looks beautiful and, and finished and elegant up here, um, but not this year. I mean, it looks good. It's, it's, a, it's a brand new tree. I, Hope it looks good, but it, 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 the tree looks good and everything, but it, it's not finished. It doesn't look finished. It looks like it's missing something, and that's, that's the idea. Because we got thinking that uh, most families, uh, I know my family does this, a lot of families do this, they end up building up collections of Christmas ornaments over the years, even if it's not on purpose. Uh, they just kind of start uh, collecting Christmas ornaments, um, and you know, some, some were from memorable, memorable vacations. I know my family does this on vac- vacations. We buy a Christmas ornament. And it's like, oh yeah, I remember the, the year, you know, the, our Memphis ornaments like right on the front of our tree. Remember when we me- went to Memphis? And so we do that. Um, and I know some, sometimes we, have, we get ornaments as gifts uh, from, from our loved ones. People give us ornaments as gifts. Uh, sometimes the exact same ornament like four years in a row. Um, 
Sometimes we inherit ornaments. We, we, you know, our parents have this huge collection and they are downsizing and they like, get this stuff out of here, right? And we inherit ornaments from our childhood or something. Um, sometimes uh, we have homemade ornaments. Anybody have a homemade ornaments hanging on their tree from your kids at school or at church? Uh, they make these ornaments and we have these homemade ornaments on our trees. I've got, I've got pictures of like ornaments with like pictures of my kids. Um, I actually still have ornaments of pictures of me when I was my kid's age that my mom gave me because she needed to get them out of her house. And those are hanging on my tree at home. We've got these collections of ornaments, right? And, uh, and if your tree is anything like mine, it's this really random assortment of, of all kinds of characters uh, from Bible verses to Scooby-Doo. And some of them light up and some play music and some of them move around and some are barely still holding together. But we have these collections of ornaments, right? And sometimes even you have like the family tree and then you have like the tree tree. Like this is the, like, the nice tree and the kids aren't allowed to like look at it. But this is the tree, right, <laughs> that has our family ornaments on it. And that's kind of what I'm getting at that, that we, we all kind of do this on purpose or not. And so I brought a couple ornaments because I, I'm preaching the first week of the series. I get to be the first one to do this. I brought a couple ornaments and I want to share them with you. These are from my family collection, a couple of my favorites. Um, and I'm going to hang these on the tree. Uh, and so I want to share real quick with you. You're not going to be able to see them. I should have taken pictures of them. But this is a, uh, an ornament of the Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island uh, up in Michigan. And uh, this is, uh, this is this, well, not the hotel necessarily, but Mackinac Island is my wife's favorite place. Um, and it has become our favorite place. Uh, it's always been my wife's favorite place, but it has become our favorite place to go and get away, to have a vacation. And uh, this particular ornament uh, was purchased by me and given as a gift to my wife. Uh, this was purchased at 5 a.m. on Mackinac Island, the second the store opened. Now, it wasn't like a Black Friday deal at all. It wasn't, I was waiting in line. Um, my oldest son, Seth, was a toddler at the time, and he decided that sleeping just wasn't his thing. <laughs> And uh, my wife was, had been sick, and she was kind of exhausted and, and, and recovering, and I was trying to be nice and do her a favor. And so uh, Seth was awake at like 4 o'clock in the morning, and so I uh, got him up, and we went out just as it was getting light, and we walked around. We're like the only people on the island walking around downtown on Mackinac Island. And uh, stuff opens at 5 a.m. And so at 5 a.m., I bought this ornament, and then at 5.05, we hit Starbucks on Mackinac Island. And Seth and I, baby, like three-year-old Seth and I hung out at Starbucks and he had his first coffee at three. And yeah, I know I'm a bad parent, fine. And, uh, and that's the story of this ornament. I gave this ornament to my wife uh, for Christmas that year. And so I'm going to go ahead and, and hang this one. I did not like pre-decide where. So it, this one will go right here, maybe. There it goes. And then I brought another one because um, I'm preaching and it's my prerogative. So uh, here's, here's another one. This is, this is my favorite ornament. Um, you won't be able to see it, but it has John 3.16 printed on it, uh, some on one side and some on the other. And uh, on this side, it has a picture of a, a baby in a manger. And on this side, there's a crown of thorns that surrounds the text. And then hanging from the bottom, there's a, a golden crown and a golden cross um, on, on this ornament. And, and uh, I'm going to make it through this. This ornament was given to me as a gift. Uh, Sarah's mom gave this ornament to me um, the first year uh, I joined her family. Uh, she passed away uh, of cancer about 10 weeks ago, so it's still a little fresh. But uh, she gave me this ornament uh, when I just started, when I just joined her family. And, uh, and I love this ornament. I hang it in the front, right at the top of my tree every year. And this ornament reminds me why Christmas is important, why we celebrate it all. Um, you know, the, the <laughs> sorry about that. 
That first ornament, the grand, reminds me what marriage is about. <laughs> you know, 5 a.m., take the kid out and go to Starbucks. Um, this ornament reminds me what Christmas is about, and, and so I'm going to um, hang this one right here because I'm like the first one, so I'm putting it in the center. I'm going to bend the branch up a little bit. There, it's good. So there, there you go. A couple ornaments from my, my collection, from my house, uh, that remind me what Christmas is about, what Christmas is for. And when I look at the tree that's set up in my living room, I don't just see me. Because the tree, is, that's not exactly how I would decorate it. If it was just me, um, I would do it a little bit differently. But I also don't just see Sarah. And I don't just see Seth or Ethan or Izzy. I see all of us when I look at that tree. There's, there's some of all of us there. That tree is our family Christmas tree. It tells the story of us. Because Christmas is a reminder that God's gifts are for all of us. The good news will cause great joy for all people. So this month, we're going to ask you to join us. I got us started, but we want you to join us in decorating this tree. So this tree will reflect us. This is going to be the Northwest family tree this year. So I want you to bring in ornaments. Now listen, this is a huge tree. We're not going to fill it. So, if you want to bring in an ornament for your whole family, cool. If every single person in your family wants to bring an ornament that's meaningful for them, totally cool. Plenty of room on this tree. Bring in ornaments. Bring in stuff that, that, that's important to you. You'll get them back. If you don't trust us, you can, you can put your name on the back or something just to make sure, but we're not going to steal your ornaments. You'll get them back. Um, unless you're super fragile, then maybe don't bring the super fragile ones, but, but bring in an ornament that's meaningful to you. We want to put it on this, on this family tree because we want this tree to reflect this truth that God's gifts at Christmas are for us. It's for all of us. And the tree's never going to be full, and that's on purpose too because there's always room. There's always room on, on this tree, on this family tree, you know, the, the, for God to, to include people in his family. It's for all of us. Um, so next Sunday or the Sunday after that, we're going to hang them on the tree right during our worship service. We're not going to make you come up on the stage and get on a ladder. We'll have people that'll help with that. But like right during the worship service, we'll have, we'll have a time in the service when you can bring your ornaments up and we'll have people up here uh, hanging these ornaments up. We're going to make it part of our worship that this is, a, this is for us, that God came for us. Um, and so bring those in. We'll start next Sunday. We'll do it uh, the Sunday after that as well. Um, we're, if you bring them on Christmas Eve, we're not going to deny you. You can put them up on Christmas Eve too. That's fine. So all the way up till Christmas, we're going to fill this tree up with family ornaments. Um, and so you can bring one. You can bring more than one. It's a huge tree. There's plenty of room. Because just like the shepherds, God invites uh, each of us to go and see. Go and see for, for yourself what God is doing through Jesus. And if you look for Jesus, you will find him. Uh, and in finding Jesus, you'll find joy. Let's, let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you, that, thank you that you didn't just come for some. Thank you that this good news of a Savior, of a Messiah, of a Lord is, is for all. Thank you that it's for all of us. Thank you that, uh, that, that you give the gift of joy to, to all of us. And, and Father, I pray that uh, as, as uh, we join the shepherds uh, in praising and glorifying you, that we this season would, wouldn't forget to go and see. To go and see what it is that you're doing uh, in, in Jesus, in this baby, in this, this, this new thing that you've got going on. Thank you for, for flooding our lives with joy, not just at Christmas time, but all the time.
Um, Father, it's in Jesus' name. Amen. So this, this chapter, Luke 2, records a variety of reactions to the good news that the angels brought. Uh, the angels sing a song of praise to God and the shepherds go and see for themselves and uh, then they tell everyone what they had seen and then they worship God as well. And the people who hear the shepherds, it says they were amazed at, at what the shepherds said to them. Uh, Mary, it says she pondered all these things in her heart that she thought through everything. So, uh, so as, as we enter into this time of communion, I guess the question is, what's your response? What's your response to the good news of Jesus' birth? this Christmas, this year. Maybe you're full of praise to God for the things that he's done in your life this year. Um, Or maybe you're right in the middle of going to see about Jesus for yourself, or maybe you've encountered Jesus recently and you just can't wait to tell your family and friends all about him. Or maybe you're like Mary and you've been quietly wondering, what's God up to in my life this year? What's your response to the good news this year? Every week at Northwest, we take communion. We do this every week, and um, it's a piece of bread and it's a cup of juice, but it helps us remember all that Jesus has done for us. It helps us remember that this is truly good news. So as the trays are passed this morning, take a set of cups out of the tray and and hold on to them and reflect on on what God's done in your life this year, uh, how God has caused great joy in your life this year. And and once everyone's been served, I'll come back up and uh, I'll lead us in taking them together.